what is the church and what do we need to know about it? That's the topic of our message today. We're, we've been doing our Grow series. We've talked about growing by engaging with the Bible, growing by engaging with prayer, and today it's growing by engaging with the church. So we're going to take a look at uh, a few principles from a couple of passages of scripture here. The first one's in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. But our first point is every believer needs the church. And that's what this passage in Hebrews talks about. Every believer needs a church. Starting in verse 24. And let us consider how we may, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the church is so much more than a building. I think... Often when we think of the church, we think of a building, but I hope that we know, or at least intuitively we know, that the church is so much more than that. In fact, it can exist without any building at all, right? The writer of Hebrews says in this passage that we should not give up meeting together. You know, Jesus didn't intend for his followers to function alone, right? He intended for us to live in community with other believers. And we call that community the church. So the church isn't a building. It's, it's, it's a gathering of people, a gathering of Christians. And in these verses, we see that Christians are to encourage each other and spur one another on toward love and good deeds. That's part of what church is all about. But when believers choose to isolate themselves and they don't fellowship with other believers, it's so easy to get discouraged in living out the Christian faith. It's easier to get out of fellowship with God. It's, and believers who isolate themselves, they become more vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. You know that old phrase, no man is an island? Well, it's never been more true than in the church. God did not create us to be islands functioning out there on our own, trying to make it in the world on our own. He wanted us all to be part of a community, a community of believers, and that is the church. So it's very important for each of us as believers to meet together regularly by going to church. But beyond that, we should find and create opportunities to be with the other believers. We should invite people in our homes, go out to dinner together, attend prayer meetings, Bible studies, gatherings of believers as much as we can, because church is about community. It was really cool talking to my kids last night. Um, Angela and I were talking to our children um, on FaceTime, and they are all like in different parts of the country, different schools. I got one in Spokane at WSU School of Nursing, one in Chicago at Northwestern University, and one in Baltimore at um, Johns Hopkins University. But we are all with a, one of the cool things about technology now is we could all talk together and even see each other on FaceTime and stuff. So as we were talking to them, it was really cool to find out they all had plans to be in church tomorrow. Even though they're away at college and it's just so easy, you know, when you're at college, just kind of, you know, go to bedside chapel on Sunday, you know, sleep in a little bit. But they all were, all were telling us they had plans to go to church uh, tomorrow. So I was just really excited to that, you know, excited about that, that they knew that it's important, you know, to get together with other, other believers. It's important to gather with the community of believers. Sometimes I've, I've heard parents say you know, about their kids, well, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't want my kids to feel like they are forced to come to church. Um, you know, maybe their parents force them to come to church or whatever. And I, I, I want it to be their own choice. And you know, I don't want them to get rebellious towards God by, you know, making, making them, you know, forced to come to church. And I just think, 
you know, do you think they're really going to grow any closer to God staying at home? I don't think so. You know, there, there's something about when we're here and we're exposed to other believers, we're exposed to God's presence that draws us to him and helps, helps us to draw closer to him. I'm not putting any condemnation on everybody. And I know that when your kids reach a certain age, they've just got to make that decision for themselves and there's nothing you can do about it. But I'm just saying we want to we want to encourage our kids to be in church as much as we can i know when our kids come home from college they just know sunday hey we're going to go we're going to go to church and that was true before we started being the pastors here even when we were just going to church um they knew that hey we're going to church on sunday and, and they all just kind of expected that so it's important for us to all be in church it's important for our families to be in church and i know most of you know that i'm preaching to the choir here but but every believer does need church. It's important for us to know that. Second point is every believer has a role in church. All of us have a role. And we're going to look at a passage in Romans now for the rest of our message here, beginning in Romans 12, verse 3. And this was Paul talking to the church in Romans, and he was just talking to them about what the church is all about. And he says in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Paul uses this cool metaphor of the body of Christ to show us several things. When he says the body of Christ, he's speaking of the church. He's using that metaphor about what the church is all about. And so he, he affirms and really defines, further defines what we just read about in Hebrews. That believers not only need community, but they are the community. They're interconnected. They're dependent on each other, just like the parts of a human body. So he calls us the body of Christ. And just like our human body becomes less effective, a part of it's removed or isn't functioning properly, well, it's the same as true. It's the same thing's true with the church, the body of Christ. Each member is essential to the most effective functioning of the body. And that leads to our next point. Uh, not only are believers interdependent, dependent believers are gifted by God. Believers are gifted by God. Each believer has been gifted by God and therefore has a function in the body. God doesn't just gift some believers. We are all gifted. Every Christian brings something to the table to build up the body of Christ and to make an impact in the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ. Now some Christians think yeah, I don't have any gifts. I think when God was handing out the gifts, somehow he passed over me, and I, I, there's nothing I've got. I don't have any talents. I don't, God must have forgot about me when he was doing that. Not true. This passage makes it clear. All of us have gifts. So either you aren't opening your eyes to what you have, or you just haven't discovered your gifts yet, but I guarantee you, you have at least one. 
All of us have at least one gift because God made us all to be able to do something for the strengthening of the body of Christ. So all believers are gifted by God. That's another thing we can draw from this passage. The next thing is uh, believers are to use their gifts with humility. And to demonstrate this, or perhaps not, I want you to check out this video we're going to show right now. Maybe. <laughs> it definitely won't be the same without sound. So if we don't get sound, we'll pass it. What do you think? Are we going to be able to get it? Okay. All right. One more shot. If it doesn't work, we'll go. All right. Well, it wasn't meant to be. That was, that was going to be a video of someone who is maybe using their gift without the greatest, highest degree of humility. <laughs> but we want to, what we want to know is that believers need to use their gifts with humility. Paul said that none of us should think more highly of ourselves than we ought to in this verse. And that's, that's kind of how he led off the verse. He says, you know, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment. So what he's saying is, is that sometimes believers in the use of their gifts can use them in a way that's not really glorifying or pleasing to God. And maybe it, it's probably most prone to be true with people who have some of the more upfront type of gifts. So maybe someone has some incredible speaking gift or some great musical talent or a gifting to lead others. Sometimes it's easy for them to start thinking, you know, I'm, I've pretty much got it together. I got it going on here. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty talented. And man, God's using me some amazing ways. I'm, I'm maybe just a little bit special. But in God's eyes, the person who's praying fervently and secretly in their room at home may be just as important, if not more important, than those with the gifts that everyone sees. If you have a gift that's regularly seen by other people and you're using that gift, it's really important to keep that in perspective and not start thinking too highly of yourself. We need to remember that our gifts come from God and we need to be beware of becoming prideful in the use of our gifts. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. So make sure that you're using your gifts with humility. But you know what? The converse is also true. Never discount the gifts, passion, and abilities that God has given you. And sometimes this is just 
in a, in a way, a false humility, saying, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't have anything that's good enough to give to God. Well, God gave it to you, so yes, you do. And again, we want to think of the human body. Some of the unseen parts of the human body are actually the most important. Ask a person whose kidneys fail how their life is going. Ask them how important their feet are when they're hooked up eight hours a day to a dialysis dialysis machine. You know, while they're hooked up to the machine, their, their feet aren't doing them a whole lot of good because that unseen part, that kidneys or those kidneys are not working correctly. It affects every part of the body. And it's the same in the body of Christ. If people are not using their gifts, if they're just sitting on the sidelines and just saying, well, you know, I don't really have that much to offer. You know, other people can do it. Or I've done my time, you know, I'm, I'm getting, getting up there now. There, there, there's not really anything that I need to do. Let, let the younger people do it. Well, if we all take that perspective, then the body of Christ is not going to function correctly. We all, we, all of our gifts are needed. Everything that we have to bring to the table is needed by God in the body. I believe that God has brought everything into the house that we need into the house, and he's faithful to do that. But the question is, are we going to be faithful with what he's given us, our gifts, and using those for God? The next point is believers are, are to use their gifts for the good of the church. Paul says in verse 5, each member belongs to all the others. So when we understand that we belong to each other and that we're all part of this body of Christ, it should cause us to realize we need to use our gifts so the body can be at its most effective level. In the human body, remember again, even something small can have a big effect on the body. So if all the parts are not working, it makes a difference. You have a broken finger, it greatly limits what you can do. If you have an inner ear infection and your ear, it's not, not working properly in there, you're going to find it hard to keep your balance or even to walk. So sometimes small little things that we would, would seem just small and insignificant can have a great impact on our body. And it's the same in the body of Christ. You may think your part's small and insignificant, but it's not. You need to use it for the gift for the, for the good of the church. Use those gifts for the good of the church. Next, next point is believers are to use their gifts with all their might. You know, in describing the use of those seven gifts that Paul talks about in this passage, he uses words that make it clear that not only are we supposed to use our gifts, but we're to use them with diligence, with passion, with energy. I like what he also said in Colossians 3, 23 to 24. He said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's a great perspective to think. Sometimes, you know, when we use our gifts and maybe they're not appreciated by others. Maybe nobody says, hey, thanks for doing that. Or nobody says, hey, it's awesome what you're doing. But you know, the important thing is, is to remember what, or more importantly, who we're doing it for. We're doing it for Jesus. And, and that verse says, remember, you have an inheritance in the Lord as a reward. There's a reward waiting for you. So while you're here on earth, hey, work with all your heart and all your might in whatever you do. Do it, as, do it like you're doing it for Jesus. Even if the people around you don't appreciate it, do it to Jesus because he appreciates it, and that's who we're doing it for anyway. So, 
kind of wrapping that, put a, wrap in, a wrapper around that. We should just use our gifts with everything we have within us so that the body of Christ can be built up, knowing that not only does our serving bless the church, but it blesses Jesus. So we want to move on here now and, and take a look at Romans 12, 9 to 13. And the next point is love is the guiding force of the church. Love is the guiding force of the church. It says in Romans 12, beginning in verse 9, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. First of all, we need to love those inside the church. That's one of the big things I get from this passage. Paul talks about how we should relate to those within our Christian community. And in talking about that, he says we need to be devoted to each other in brotherly love. Believers need to love sincerely. That word sincere in the original Greek language meant unhypocritical. And it was often used of an actor, and actors in those days would, would wear masks. So that, that word was sometimes used of that wearing of a mask that an actor would do. So Paul's saying that we should love without putting on masks. Our love should be sincere. We should really love because we're caring about other people. We want to show our care to them, not just for insincere motives, like maybe we're drawing attention to ourselves or want everybody to think how great we are. Our love should be really, uh, our, our deeds, our gifts use, everything should be surrounded around love and truly caring about the people around us. And Paul also says to be devoted to each other with brotherly love. And that word for brotherly love in the Greek was a word that was usually used of love between parents and their children. So he's saying the body of Christ, the church, is really, it's like a family. He's saying we should love each other with that same tenderness and compassion that we have toward our kids. We should love each other like family members. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. And we know that even in families, we don't always get everything right. We don't always get along or, or agree on every point. But at the end of the day, in families, or at least healthy families, we, we come together and say, hey, we love each other, and we're going to overlook some of the things we don't totally agree on, and we're, we're going to be there for each other. We're, gonna, we're in each other's corner. We're there to help and support each other. That's, that's the kind of love Paul is calling us to as the guiding force of the church. And then he, he gives us some really practical ideas of how we can love each other. And I really like how the New Living Translation says it, beginning in uh, verse 10 there, Romans 12, 10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. In other words, love each other in, in very practical ways. Honor each other above yourselves. So in other words, consider other people's needs even above your own. 
Serve each other by using your gifts with diligence. He talks about praying for each other, that we need to, prayer is so important that we're praying each other and lifting each other up. He talks about being hospitable. Hospitable basically means inviting people into your home, being friendly, maybe going out to dinner with someone. It's, it's being friendly and reaching out to other people and helping each other when we're in need. Sometimes I think in the church, you know, we come and we think, well, you know, nobody really reached out to me. Nobody invited me out. Nobody invited me to, into their home. And we think, well, nobody loves me, you know, because of that. But instead, I think we're kind of sometimes thinking of that backwards. I think what we need to think is, hey, who can I ask out today? Who can I invite into my home? Who can, who can I, I meet for coffee this week and, and invite them? And sometimes we are, we're always waiting for somebody else to take the initiative, and we need to take the initiative. So that's just a, some great practical things that Paul talks about and how we can love each other in the church. We need to reach out to each other. We need to not just sit back and wait for everybody to reach out to us. So I encourage you to do that. The next verses, starting in verse 14, talk about how we need to love those outside the church. So first Paul talks about loving those inside the church, then outside. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So in these verses, Paul talks about how we should love those who are outside of the Christian community. And again, he gives us a very practical list. He says, try to live in peace and harmony with unbelievers. I know sometimes it's hard. You know, maybe you live to a, next door to a neighbor who's, uh, you know, playing loud music uh, late or having some wild party in their house. And, you know, everything within you just wants to go over there and tell them off. But Paul says to live as much as possible in peace and harmony with your neighbors, with those around you. He also talks about celebrating with them in good times and crying with them in the bad times. In other words, just being there to support them. Something's great's going on in their life, you know, celebrate with them. Hey, man, that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. Rather than thinking, yeah, man, I wish I had that or I wish I got that going on for me. No, instead, celebrate with them. Be happy with them. When, they're, when you know that something's going on that's hard or difficult in their life, sit down and... and, and cry with them. Let them just be someone, someone that they can talk to. So he gives some really practical ways. He also, he talks about not uh, being willing to associate with people in low position. Maybe sometimes there's certain people, it's easy in an affluent community like we live in, um, you know, here in Vancouver and, and especially Camas, it's easy for us to sometimes maybe look down on people, certain sectors of our society and say, you know, 
they would just get a job, they could, they could support themselves, or, you know, they're just not working hard enough, or uh, they're just probably messed up, they're probably on drugs, you know, they, they just need to get their life together. It's easy for us to look down on those people and not want to reach out to them, not want to associate with them, but, but Paul talks about associating with people of low position, and really, when we look at the life of Jesus, wasn't that what he was all about? He wasn't just about hanging around with, you know, all the rich people or all, all the Pharisees, all the spiritual people. No, he hung around with the people who were, you know, the lower segment of society. He, home, he even hung around with, with tax collectors and, or people, people that other people would not even dream of, of being around. When a, a prostitute came to him, instead of saying, hey, get out of here, you know, I don't want anything to do with you. He, he told her her sins were forgiven. You know, he, he, was, he was a person who really reached out to people of every sector of society. And Paul's saying, that's the way we should be. Don't, don't look down on those people. Don't say, ah, I don't have any place for those people in my life. Instead, reach out to them and see if there's something you can do for them. And he also talks about what to do when we're treated badly by people. What to do when we're persecuted by people. You know, isn't our natural desire to say, that person did that, I'm going to get back at them. You know, I'm going to do something to, to make, make their life miserable. Or at least to just kind of harbor this ill will on our heart and say, ah, oh, that person, they're so terrible. I'm, I wish God would just curse them or do something bad on them. No, but Paul, said, Paul says, no, don't be like that. He says, when people, when people persecute you, bless them. And he quotes two verses here, two Old Testament passages. In Deuteronomy 32, 35, he quotes uh, where Moses, Moses was saying what God says. He said, God says this, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. So we need to let God take care of the vengeance piece rather than taking things into our own hands, Paul is saying. But he goes on further and he quotes Proverbs 25, 21 to 22, where, where it said, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So he's saying, you know what? The best, the best way to treat people who are not nice to you or are persecuting you is actually to bless them, to do something nice for them. Because when you do that, it's, it's almost like heaping burning coals of fire on their head. They're like, what? How can this person be nice to me after what I've done to them? And it, it, like, it like causes them to do a double take. It throws them, throws them backwards. They're like, what? How can this person be, be so, want, you know, blessing me, doing something nice to me with the way I've treated them? And it makes them see that, wow, there is something in that person that's different. There is something that I need. So, Paul talks about loving those inside the church and loving those outside the church. And we know that really that's what God has called the church to do. In fact, one of the last things he said to his disciples before he went into heaven in Matthew 28, 19 to 20 is, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. So, that is, what, that is one of our callings as a church, is not just to love those within the body and be concerned with ourselves, but also to reach out to those outside of the church, to want to make disciples of them, to help them, to bless them. The clear idea is we need to let love be the guiding force of the church. So 
again, those three points were, one, we all need the church. All believers need the church. All believers have a role in the church. And love is the guiding force of the church. So let's wrap this all up with our big idea here. Here's the big idea that we can say about this pas these passages that we look today. The church is a community of serving, loving Christians. That's what the church is about. Not a building, not just even a group of people. It's a community of serving, loving Christians. So three quick application points. One, engage in the church by coming. You know, it's hard to be part of the church if you don't come and don't show up, right? We got to show up to grow up. So I encourage you all to continue to be a part of the church by just coming. And encourage those people around you. Hey, you need to come. Second thing is engage in the church by serving. Paul talked about we all have a role. We all have giftings. And so we all need to find a place of service in the church. Engage in the church by serving. And finally, engage in the church by loving. Every one of us is called to love. And let love be that guiding force between our actions. So when we serve and we use our gifts, it's not just about getting attention. It's not about, you know, looking good. It's not even about feeling good. It's more about showing love to others because we care about them and because God's calling us to be that way. You know, this is probably going to embarrass them, but I'm going to use an example of somebody here right in the congregation. I probably could use a number of people, but... There's somebody in the congregation that really epitomizes these things to me, this engaging the church by coming, serving, and loving. And that's uh, Bill and Nancy Fluke. You know, when the doors are open, as much as it's possible with them, they're here. And you want to talk about serving? Most, most of you probably don't even have an idea of how much they're doing around here. Bill is around here a lot of times before service or after services changing lights. He notices when a light's out, and he's, he's changing those lights. He's even coming during the week doing different things. I know for years he mowed all the, the lawns out in the church on a riding lawnmower. I mean, Nancy worked in the church for many years. She's always willing to help. These people epitomize serving. And then you talk about loving. I mean, these people are, are just amazing, loving people. I, I know like a few weeks ago, um, our youth pastor had really had some challenging things that were going on in his life. And they just took him aside. They said, hey, let's go out to dinner. They took him out to dinner, just kind of showed love to him, loved on him. That's the kind of people they are. And you know, that's the kind of people God's wanting all of us to be. He's wanting us to, to engage in the church by coming, by serving, by loving. So I challenge all of us Think about how can we raise our game in those areas. I want to do um, one thing before we close in prayer here. You probably saw in your bulletin there, along with the notes, there's a, there's a serving interest sheet. And this sheet is not committing you to anything by checking boxes in there. You're not saying, um, I'm going to do these things, or I'm going to permanently say I will be the, doing this for the rest of my life. It's not anything like that. But it is at least, it's letting um, us know as a leaders, hey, these are things that I could see myself possibly doing. Maybe I feel like I have some gifting in that area or I have some passion in that area. And I just encourage you to look through that, check a box or two or three of things that you feel like, this is some ways that I can serve and, and contribute to the church. You know, God's calling all of us to do that. 
And no, no matter what your age, you can do that. Even if you're physically unable to hardly do anything, there's still things you can do. You can, you can pray. And there's a box there that, for a prayer ministry. So there's something that every one of us can do to serve and to love in the church. And I want to encourage you to do that. There's going to be a, a box at the uh, Connection Center on your way out that you can um, place that in. If you need time to look more at it and want to bring it in any, any other time, that's great. But it'd be awesome if you could do that today. And um, there's not all of those things are even existing in our church right now that are on that sheet. Some of those things are things that I believe that we will be doing and engaging in the future. But there are some things that we need right now. Like I know we, we could use help in the back in our, in our sound booth area. Poor Anthony, is, uh, he stepped up to do it, do it and fill the gap back there. But um, sometimes he's running around trying to cover the soundboard and, and get the video going for the podcast and run the slides. And like it's more than one person can do. So we could use a, a person to uh, help or a few people ideally rotating to help even with like PowerPoint slides that could run the slides. That'd be take one thing off, one less thing that he has to worry about. Or um, we could use help in almost every area in our hospitality right now, you know, greeting and, and ushering and uh, the coffee center at the back. And some of those things need, need a little bit of training, but there's areas that we can use help in all of those things. Um, there's, there's other areas in there that I'm sure that you would look at and you could say, that's something I can do. There's, some of those things are not things we necessarily need right now, but it'd be great to know that, hey, this is something you have a skill level in and, and would maybe be able to be used in the future. So I encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, let's let's uh, close in prayer here today. God, I just thank you so much uh, for what you're doing here at North Lake Church. God, I thank you that we are a church of people that does love each other, that does care about each other. And we are just looking to, to discover ways that we can make a difference in each other's lives and a difference in this community. We've been talking about growing for these last few weeks, and I'm excited that people have told me that they've been engaging in reading the Bible, that they've been engaging in, in prayer. They set goals to do that, and they've been doing that. Lord, and I'm so excited about that. I know that people are, are coming to church and engaging, and Lord, now we just also pray, God, for this service piece, that, that we will engage in service. Thank you, God, for, for just challenging us today, Lord. I, maybe you're here today and uh, you would just say, you know what, as we were talking about the church, I felt kind of a tug in my heart to, that's, that I'm not really part of the church. I'm not really part because I really haven't given my life to the Lord. I'm not a believer, but I know God wants that in my life. He's calling me to do that today. And if that's you and you just say, you know what, I, I, need, to, I need to become a part of what this is all about. I need to follow Jesus. I need him to bring forgiveness into my life. I want to follow him and make a commitment to him today. If that's you, I just ask you to raise your hand right now as everybody's eyes are closed, but I just would love to be able to pray with you. So if, if, you, need, if you want to make a commitment to Christ today, just raise your hand right now, and I'd love to pray with you. All right. Great. Lord God, we thank you that you... Uh, you have gifted us in this church with so many amazing people, Lord. And I just pray now 
that uh, as we continue this week, as we leave this place, God, that you will um, just you will just challenge all of our hearts in every way to continue growing for you, to continue seeking what you have for our lives. Help us to continue reading our Bible, continue spending time in prayer, and continue to engage in the church. And I pray that even people that, maybe there's some people right now that haven't been serving for whatever reason, maybe they just feel like they weren't needed or, or that nobody's asked them to. Lord, I just pray that even even those people, even all of us will engage in some way in service, Lord, so that we can uh, make a difference in this church and make a difference in our community. And now, God, I just pray your blessing will go out on us today. Bless each one of these people as they leave this place. Lord, just let us enjoy uh, each other's uh, presence as, as we engage with each other after the service, and we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.